So this is the last week of our worship series on Micah 6, 8. Today, you're once again going to be invited to read our theme verse aloud with me. So please turn to page 1060 in the Old Testament, where verse 8 begins at the very bottom of the page. And then read along with me. You got it? Okay. Let us read together. He has told you, O mortal, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you, but to do justice, and to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God. May God empower us as we seek to live out lives that are just, merciful, and humble. a church question, but uh, how do you do with memory verses? How are you with memory verses? Do you, do you carry verses of the Bible around in your brain? It's really a larger question. I could have started with this. How do you do with memory? How do you do with remembering much of anything? Um, they, they tell us if we have trouble remembering things that it's not necessarily that your brain is falling apart and you are doomed. Uh, for the rest of your life. It's probably just as we uh, get older or as we get more involved with things, we've got more files, you know, more stuff going on, more stuff to access, and sometimes it takes a little more time to kind of access that thing so that, you know, for instance, your child's name or where your keys are can sometimes, uh, well, fall down the list of five at least, yeah. So, uh, you know, there's those kind of things. I don't know, sometimes my files look uh, a little more like this, you know, just kind of that uh, thing going on there. Um, memory, memory. Uh, uh, you probably, probably, if you've been around church for any amount of time at least, you've probably got a, a Bible verse file uh, uh, where you at least, if you've been around at all, you've been exposed to John 3.16, right? I kind of found out that the version, I, I actually have memorized the King James. Maybe you have. I don't know. We get a different word every now and then. But you can do this, right? You don't need me to say that this is the way this particular verse goes. Um, chances are, not everybody, don't want to leave anybody out, but chances are we know about this particular verse. Luther called it the little gospel. Said everything you need to know about the truth of Jesus Christ is in this verse. It's why we tend to lead with it. There are some folks for whom this is even a challenge because it's a few words, it's a few things, and really you should probably memorize verse 17 as well. Uh, 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 that the Son came not to, oh see, I, I'm going to get to that in a moment. I'm going to get to that in a moment. But if you want shortcuts, if you want shortcuts, a lot of people like shortcuts, so I have a memory verse for you. If you like shortcuts, there it is, that's it, that's the whole thing, in, at least in a lot of translations. That is the whole deal. Not insignificant, by the way, to think that Jesus wept, that Jesus had cause for sorrow, that Jesus had cause for what we experience sometimes in our lives, right? Whole nother morning we could spend with that, but 
Minimally, if you feel pressure to have a verse memorized, there it is, you can do that one. That one would be okay. My tendency has been, this is where I was starting to go, my tendency has been to, re, to say, a, a lot, when I was, especially when I was younger, I would say, I don't need to memorize everything, I just need to have the general sense of what it says. You know, that was kind of my out. Part of the problem is that I don't quite always do good with like remembering every particular little thing. I, I, in theater, I always had a hard time. I couldn't get to the emoting because part of my brain was always going, uh, is this the right word? Is this the right phrase? Am I getting the exact wording that's been, you know, so I would be trying to worry about memorizing and miss that. Happens with the Bible, too. I, I have tended to do that. I pick out phrases nowadays. By the way, John, 1 John, probably most packed with pretty good uh, memory verses, but I, I learned this one because I learned it to music. I can sing this particular verse. Uh, I won't do that right now, but beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and those who love are born of God and know God. Those that love not do not know God for, maybe you know this one, how does it end? God is love, right? So what I really retain out of that is God is love. What does the Bible say? God is love, right? John 4, 8 says it in John 4, 16, too, which also leads me to the 18th verse of this wonderful little chapter, that perfect love, part of this verse, perfect love casts out fear. I find that a helpful phrase. So I don't always retain a lot of verses. I retain parts of them. I retain phrases from them. Uh, there is a confession of faith that occurs in the Hebrew Scriptures in the Old Testament in a few different versions that I have been trying to retain. I can never hang on to every single phrase in it. Uh, but when I look to it, I like the one in Jonah. Uh, uh, it's very similar to what's in Exodus and Deuteronomy. Uh, the confession of faith that God is a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love, ready to relent from punishing. That is uh, a solid Hebrew scripture confession of faith about the nature of God. It pleases me. I like using Jonah. I've said this before because Jonah, when he says this, doesn't want it to be so. Would prefer that God would not relent from punishing his enemies. Right? So it's almost like uh, you are a loving, gracious God, full of steadfast love, ready to relent from punishment. Darn it. That just appeals to me, just appeals to me that uh, uh, Jonah would like to, to put a little more of a fence around the nature of God as to who really gets the benefit. So I like that. If you've been paying detailed attention the last few weeks, you will know that steadfast love is a Hebrew word with a little in it. Anybody remember that one? Chesed, right? Steadfast love can be translated as steadfast love, loving kindness, mercy, uh, or just kindness, right? Speaking of the last few weeks, by now, maybe some of you have memorized Micah 6 8. Is that possible? Is that possible? You know? Uh, he has told you, O mortal, what is good and what does the Lord require of you. You've at least remembered probably those three commands that ended up, right? Say it along. Do justice. Love kindness and walk humbly with your God. Who put the timing on this thing? Yeah, at least those three 
phrases. They're just kind of basic. They're simple. They have a good rhythm to them. They have an ethical appeal about the importance of what we do. It is worth retaining. And uh, maybe after a few weeks, some of us came into this, I know, knowing these phrases, understanding the importance of them. My summary, if I had to just give one brief summary of this verse, is that it says something to the fact that we are not alone. That one of the great lies that we tell ourselves, that the world around us tells us, is that we are not alone. We are not alone in our relationship with God, first of all. It's not just a matter of what uh, I come and what I do and what God can do for me, but it is something that we do together. We are not alone in our struggles. I've got something going wrong in my life, and it's, I'm the only one. That's, the, that's one of the lies that we, we end up believing sometimes. I'm alone in my struggles. We are not. Others share in that. God shares in that. We are not alone in our response abilities, um, in what we bring, in what we do. And we are called to resist then the temptation of absoluteness and the humility that God invites us to. It's not just a matter of the offerings that we bring, that I bring, rather. It's not just what I'm bringing to God, but what we can do together to offer justice for all, to uh, bring kindness to others, to remember that God so loved the world. The verse is not, God so loved me. The verse is not, God so loved Steve. I think I'm included in the world. But it's God so loved the world. It's not just the individual's relationship, um, but how we can join together as just people, uh, merciful, kind people, humble people. So we're not alone. But the reason I'm doing one more, one more morning with this is there was a phrase in the midst of all this, there was another phrase from this verse that kind of stuck with me, and, and I felt like, boy, there's something to explore there. God has told you. The verse begins. God has told you. This should not seem new to you. You have been told this. You have heard this before. When I first hear Micah saying that, it reminds me of a thing that we sometimes slip into, I think, as parents, uh, as spouses, maybe teachers do this, I don't know. But we, 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 uh, have you ever found yourself saying this to a loved one? I told you. I told you. I just said that. Or I told you last week. Or, you know, whatever it is. I told you that. I told you. I found myself saying that. I found myself hearing that. For those of you who share this dilemma with me, how's that work out for you when you say that? <laughs> yeah, no. Generally, generally, but Micah says it. God has told you. So what does Micah mean by that? How does he intend uh, that to have impact on his listeners when he says, uh, God has told you, he has told you. 
could mean that you have had this prophetic word. I'm not the only one to deliver it. There have been others who have come to you and and encouraged you, exhorted you, pushed you on justice, given you a definition of what justice is. Help the helpless. Take care of those who struggle to take care of themselves. Advocate for those who do not have advantage. God has told you through other prophets. Or maybe it is the dozens of scriptures that encourage hospitality, right? To those who need hospitality. You shall love the alien as yourself. For you were once alien. Do you hear the rationale in there, by the way? You know what it's like. It is an encouragement to empathy, to remember, to feel what people who are excluded, what people who are oppressed, people who suffer, people who have need, to to feel what that is like. Could empathy be what Micah means when he says God has told you? Could it be that God has put a spirit in us that enables us to have compassion, to feel that it's not just a matter of knowing various scriptural messages, though the message is there, though God has told us in scripture, through prophets, through the law, but also that God has given us a spirit, something within us, innate, that rises up in the face of suffering, You've heard this before in Scripture. You've felt it, heard it before in that inner spirit that God has given you, that empathetic, compassionate spirit. Could that be what Micah means? God has told you. If I told you about the 25-year-old Honduran woman and her 13-year-old son... I'll pause and let you do the math on that. If I told you this woman who uh, 13 years ago was raped by her stepfather in Honduras, uh, he was prosecuted, he was put in jail, he got out, he threatened to kill her, she and her son came here. If I told you about that, you might want to verify it, I get that, but would you send her back? Would you send them back? See, there's something I think that rises up in us that says, well, of course not. Uh, That sense of compassion, that sense of uh, maybe not empathy, but, but that sense of feeling in our gut, that innate thing that says people who need protection need to be protected, need to be preserved. When there's thousands of these, then we we tend towards fear. We tend towards uneasiness. We, We tend towards we're not sure we can do that. And I find that sometimes memory verses uh, confirm what we know and sometimes push us past what we think we know, what we think we can do or not do. God has told us. God has told us 
We have this justice and a lot of other things in Scripture. God has told us. God has given us a spirit of mercy, of kindness within us, an ability to be compassionate. I just have to say this. The biblical languages for compassion. In, uh, in Greek, it's gut. It's based on the word stomach. And in Hebrew, it's based on womb, uh, that kind of feeling that comes from deep in us. And I think also undergirding these, surrounding them, third on the list but grounding what comes before, is that sense of humility that is accessed probably in a number of ways, but particularly in prayer. A third resource. There are probably more, but at least these three. The appeal to Scripture and what it tells us of human experience and God's desire, uh, the appeal of what we might call the Holy Spirit, what we might call our conscience, what we might call that still, small voice that just prods us, that gives us that innate sense but also the ability to submit ourselves and our biases and our needs and our ignorances. The places where we don't know, where we aren't sure. The places where maybe we're too sure. It can be submitted in the humility of prayer. Which is many things, but is at least minimally an act of humility. 12-step people will tell us the first step is I came to realize that uh, I can't do it on my own. It is beyond my power. That sense of humility. So for these three, there's, I'm sure, more. We could name more. But for these three, I think this is a verse worth memorizing. Maybe number two on our list, but certainly high up there. And maybe not even the whole thing, but at least these three reminders, prods, confirmations, encouragements. Hmm? Say it with me. Do justice. Love kindness. Walk humbly with your God. May it be so.